So welcome to the ASI cast. I'm Richard Marks, ASI's Director of Research. And today I'm talking to John Musgrove, who's Head of Research at Commercial Radio Australia, and Deb Hishon, who's Media Measurement Director at GFK. And we're going to talk about the launch of Radio 360, which is the new groundbreaking radio measurement service in Australia. Now, at the last two events, guys, you previewed the new service in Australia and it's finally going live. But to bring us up to speed, can you remind us of the three elements of the service that you're launching to market? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one, um, Richard. So Radio 360 is being created from three core data sets. So the first data set is our robust 50,000 annual sample of surveys that we run in Australia. Um, predominantly, that has traditionally been offline surveys, but over the last sort of six to eight months, we've been moving that to predominantly online surveys. So 80% of that 50,000 will be done online, 20% will be done offline, which provides a much more digitised currency base. Um, the second element is really probably the most where we get a lot of the interest in, in and is that that's the, the streaming data that we're collecting direct from source, from the radio stations themselves. Uh, and we've been working very closely with each radio network to receive their server logs directly from them. And also our GFK Sensic tag has gone onto their radio assets, so their, their web players and their aggregator apps. And both of those sources of information are device-level information sets but they're giving us the start and stop of every stream that a device calls directly to the radio station. And so what that gives us is a complete view of the census level streaming data that's coming directly from the stations. We're then taking that device level information and running a modeling profile system where we're putting listeners to the device. So we're creating a listener data, data set because remembering uh, radio ratings uh, is a measure of listeners. It's not a measure of the number of radio sets that are tuned to a radio station. Um, the third element, um, and one of the most interesting for our market, because it's a first for us, is that we're installing a wearable meter panel. So that will have 2,000 respondents across the country uh, in our five capital cities. Um, and and that those panels are already providing insight to the system. And we're going to be using the panel for two core purposes. Initially, it will be uh, helping us to calibrate and validate the demographic profiling of our streaming audiences because of the way the sound matching works in this country. Uh, and then the second um, uh, use will be event audience measurement. So we'll be able to give users in this country the first exposure to a single period in time so a single day or a single event or uh, a period of um, time where we don't survey. So summer is a big um, example of this in our country. We don't survey over December, January because it's very hard to get people to complete diaries over our summer period. Um, but the wearable meter will give us some rich data insights that we've not been able to share to market before. So there's, there's quite a lot of moving parts. I'm guessing that gives you something of a, a data science challenge in terms of how to bring those three elements together. And they, there are increasing parallels with radio measurement and TV measurement where they are doing similar efforts to ingest 
the server data from broadcaster players and integrate mm -hmm. that into the currency. What what are the main challenges in doing that? In bringing together census level data, claimed recall data, and passive measurement—three very different measures of essentially the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> look, it, it's it's been um, quite a quite a challenge to bring all the moving parts together. You're very right. Um, I think the the first challenge that we faced was ingesting and cleaning uh, over so up to 1500 different server logs uh, across the networks because they either come directly from the networks themselves or through third parties and all in different formats. So being able to standardize and create one massive data lake that we then run our own quality control checks through and then we had to agree with the industry on what the quality control checks would be what's considered in-market listening versus out-of-market out listening. We look at excessive listening periods. So actually just cleaning the server logs was the first big ste step in terms of a challenge there. Getting all of the radio stations to tag, um, while it's a simple process, getting everybody to prioritise and getting that tagged as well was a little bit of a challenge. Um, but bringing those two data sets together, they're very complementary, the Sensic tag and the server log. So that wasn't um, an, an initial challenge. It was just the scale of bringing all of the data together was, was the big thing. Um, in terms of profiling the server logs and putting the listener to the device, that has taken some sort of deeper analysis into different models that we could look at and different ways that we could apply age and gender to devices. We've had to come or design a co-listening algorithm where we, um, when you look at or you think about the way that people consume radio, it's not a one-on-one -on -one relationship. So if you're in the car listening to the radio, there's chances are there's multiple people in the car with you. So that one device is being exposed to multiple people. And while we've always collected co-listening within the diary, it's not something that's automatically collected in, a in the census data. So we've had to design a co-listening algorithm doing another piece of research to come up with that modelling process. So that's probably the two big challenges that we've faced in terms of the streaming data. The, the wearable meter has, hasn't been a challenge uh, in terms of data science. We have the panel up and running. We're very lucky in this market compared to other markets, say like the UK, uh, where we have a transmission um, lag between the different broadcast types. So that has enabled us to see listening by platform on our panel. So, for example, our AMFM signal goes to air for one station, then there's a lag of a few seconds and then the DAB plus signal goes to air. There's another lag of a few seconds and the streaming um, signal goes to air. And because the GFK Media Watch works on sound algorithm matching, we can match to the to the second uh, and we can see, oh, that station, there's been a delay in listening uh, that's due to the platform change. And so they're listening to different platforms. So being able to, to validate and calibrate the currency data based on what we're seeing coming out of the panel has actually been... Um, very reassuring and given us a lot of confidence that what we're doing with our modeling, um, which is based on a probability um, a probability model, if you want to get technical, a Bayesian probability model, um, that we use the currency data, the wearable data, and also where we can some single sign-on information from the, the Sensic tag. So having all of those data sets actually quite consistent has um, really uh, ensured the data science really hasn't been too much of a challenge in terms of using the wearable meter. 
So when you when you talk about validation and calibration for the um, the use of the the wearable panel, you're talking primarily about validation and calibration of the fusion you've done between the census data and the diaries, as opposed to validating the diaries themselves. Right. We know, we know yes. that diaries produce very different results to uh, wearable meters. Mm -hmm. So it, it's right. almost like a triangle of the three interacting, as it were. Yeah, so the diary or the surveys is still our core currency. Um, and we're using the wearable at this stage just to validate and calibrate the streaming data itself. And then we'll be using it for the event measurement that I talked about before. So at the moment, it is not playing a marked role in controlling the listening that we're getting at a total radio level. It's it sounds I mean it sounds very innovative. It also sounds quite expensive in that you you've got effectively two measures of the same thing. Most markets that have adopted wearables have then gone on to effectively drop the claimed listening element or only use it on in regional markets where the panel isn't big enough. Is that the direction of travel? Uh, uh, John can jump in here, but uh, I believe it is. You know, Radio 360 in Australia is a journey and we're only in the first phase. So as we move through the next couple of years um, with the industry, we will be looking at providing um, a greater focus on the wearable information um, integrated into the currency. When that's going to happen and the degree of how that's going to happen still hasn't been finalised. But yes, I do agree. It's it's a, a very um, costly survey system at this point in time. And I, and I think it's important, Deb, when we're looking at um, when we compared going way back when this started, looking at the various. We did a single source study way way back where we the same person having a diary and a watch and getting server data and things like that. And when you compare all the data sets, it was obviously each one of those had a version of the truth. Not one of them had the total uh, picture of the truth. And I don't think that's going to change. As we go forward, it's trying to figure out which version of the truth is best as we mould them and merge them all together. And I think every media around the world is going to be looking at some form of a hybrid measurement because diary still provides probably the best and the deepest form of audience profiling you can have. And digital data provides, you know, the best and most accurate in terms of listing, listing occasion, things like that that you can get. So um, how it evolves as we put it all together, I think every time we, we go another step further, we learn something new and that then informs your next step in that. So it, it's hard to say where, <coughs> how much the um, passive measurement will influence future, but it, it will probably, it obviously will play a bigger part as we go forward. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I think the, the other aspect of it can be getting the market used to those differences and as you say I think you put it very well that it's it's different ways of looking at the truth rather than any one element being definitive um it's something I'll often pick people up when they 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 kind of compare two data sets and assume one is one is right and the other needs to be adjusted to that as opposed to the truth being probably somewhere in the middle you've done I know that you've done a lot of um testing over the, the last decade or so. And there's been an interesting development in the CRA's view of passive measurement because you used to be 10, 15 years ago, perhaps one of the most outspokenly against 
the concept of passive measurement? I mean, what what's what's changed? Is it the improvements in the technology or or other other factors? Um, I can probably take that on. I've been in this role for about twelve months, but I've been on the research committee in CRA for about twenty years. So I've probably yeah. I've gone through that journey um, pretty much from the beginning. I think it's inaccurate to go and say we're ever against. Um, I mean, everyone was really interested in passive measurement when when TV people meters came along. I think around the world, everyone was looking at okay, well, how's that going to impact the other medium? Um, radio, obviously, being one of those much more difficult to go and measure radio because it's a mobile medium than it is to put a people meter in the house and in those days you have one or two TVs around. Um, so while there were currencies coming, uh, where there were measurements coming out in different countries around the world, some in Europe, particularly in the US when they came out, Arbitrain came out with a people meter. I think in fairness, when we reviewed it, it wasn't without a whole lot of problems. Um, Arbitron spent as much time in court as, as anywhere else when they first came out. Um, it was obvious, again, if you look at the US on how that could be gamified um, quite a bit, and there were different ways that you could get you know, um, more listening, uh, putting different signals in, transmitters and bits and pieces like that. So um, what we kind of said is we're happy to jump into passive measurement when someone around the world demonstrates that there is an accurate measurement system that is both widely accepted by the industry and I think the other commercial side of it we always kept in is and demonstrates that you can move the needle beyond the 8 to 10% we're getting around the world, actually, because everyone says, oh, when you get this system, you're going to get more money. And um, that was the other factor is all, with the expense and the testing, the trialling doesn't move the commercial needle as well. Now, now we're in the world was actually demonstrating that. And about 2000, we started to realise, well, probably nobody's going to meet those equations for us as, as much as we want, maybe then, and which GFKs. Um, you know, generous offer to jump in and help us do that. Um, that's when we decided to say, well, okay, let's do a global study, let's do a study that hasn't been done yet from around the world that has a look at that single source. We have, you know, one person having all these systems, which one tells the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth and and uh, which one is best. And, and it was really that um, step forward to say, we haven't yet found a system that goes and answers all our questions. So let's work with uh, GFK in developing one. And that's what we're in. That's what Radio 360 is. Mm. Quick question. In terms of the um, server data element, the streaming data from the the players, you talked about how you um, sort of check and validate that. Is, is that audited? If that's used for trading, is that being audited by a third party, the original um, server logs? Uh I think we're we're the ones that are auditing and, and creating a consistent database across all. John, you can jump in here. I, from the way I understand it, the um, the industry's been trading on impressions for their digital audiences using different suppliers of data, so putting different messages out in the marketplace. So there hasn't been one single audience measurement for streaming for the radio stations. This is the first time that someone's coming in to do it. Uh, we are independently audited with an external auditor for all of our sampling and methodology processes. So to that extent, yes, it is audited, but we're the first bringing it all together under one bonnet kind of or un under one un under one lid, um, I believe. Is that right, John? Richard, I think um, traditional media um, have had a habit of, you know, being put under the microscope 
the nth degree historically. So accuracy for us has been very important. So auditing has generally always been a part of what we've done. Uh, we have a third-party auditor for diaries and, and, and have had forever. Um, I'm not too sure that the digital world audits all their data. And so how much auditing goes on from the digital side of it inside networks and that, that's probably a bit questionable. But certainly what we get through and what is done within the realms that we have control of um, still falls under the auspices of an independent auditor viewing everything we do. Um, in terms of the benefits to the market, I mean, I'd, I'd like to kind of wrap up by focusing on the benefits for obviously the advertising ecosystem in terms of media planners, buyers, and also the um, the media owners in terms of you know programming and understanding. What what are the major benefits for the the planners and the buyers in in this new system, the, the media three hundred and sixty? So I think one of the core benefits for the radio industry is this um, evolved currency measurement system. So putting more um, confidence into the numbers that are going to market. So John, I think you would agree to that. You know, we've evolved the currency. It's more robust. There's more more data sitting behind it, data science sitting behind it. But in terms from a day-to-day perspective, this is the first time in our market that users are going to be able to look at their broadcast audience, which is AM, FM, DAB+, uh, separated from the streaming audience uh, and getting an understanding of how a um, live commercial radio streamer behaves and thinks differently uh, to the broadcast listener. Um, and as we move through this first phase of Radio 360, we see the media planner buyers being able to become more savvy and clever about how they target their radio or audio audiences by understanding the different patterns of listening that a streamer does um, versus the broadcast audience, that they have different socio and biographic um, markers that we collect within the ratings as well and really um, enable them to better target and optimise for their clients themselves. Um, from a programming perspective, I think the event audience measurement will provide a lot of insight for our content teams at a station level, and I know that they are looking very much forward to getting their hands on that level of information because they haven't had that before. And in terms yeah, of... Um, sorry, sorry, go on, John. No, I was just going to go and agree with Deb, and I, I think the interesting thing is that Deb is uh, doing a roadshow at the moment with uh, CRA through the agencies here introducing it. And the amount of enthusiasm um, from the agencies in this um, has been extremely positive. We'd hoped it would be positive, of course, but I think um, the level of uh, enthusiasm is much, much higher than we thought. Uh, and the reality is they have wanted to understand the separation between the broadcast and the streaming things for a while. We're still in early days in terms of penetration of that streaming signal. It's growing, obviously, around the world, but um, it's at, at a point where it's now worthy of looking at and worthy of consideration in commercial application. Um, so I think there's quite a bit of excitement from the, the industry that we were able to do that in a very accurate level, we believe, with the hybrid system. Cool. Um, in terms of the sort of developments that may be on your um, wish list, as it were, and, and this is a self-interested question, not that we're going to feature in any podcast measurement in Australia because we've probably got a listener in the listenership in the double figures but what what's is there a roadmap for podcasts in this yeah interesting question <laughs> and very topical um the plan is to integrate some level of podcast audience measurement within the currency 
next 12 to 18 months, John, is that fair to say, by 2024, sometime in 2024? We're working through that roadmap right now um, with the industry and with the different data suppliers as well. Yeah, and that's, it's interesting. It sounds like putting two pieces of audio together is exactly the same thing. Um, but we're as of today having meetings and looking at the applications of how you do it and the difficulties. It's a lot more difficult than what it looks at. And how people buy podcasting versus streaming is very different as well. You're buying podcasting a smaller scale in that, but you've got a lot greater engagement. Um, the CPMs on a podcast buy around the world tend to be somewhat higher than the, you're getting for, say, radio or streaming data. And there's a good reason for that because you've got, uh, you know, it's the, the environment it's presented in and it's the engagement with the uh, host that's reading them or often host read ads and all those things. So um, just putting the two together to get a number that says, you know, we've got X impressions or X reach or something, um, it's a lot bigger than that. And I think there are a lot of things we've kind of got to explore in the commercial application of it as well as just the measurement um, as we go down that path. So, but the first thing is that's what we're doing at the moment, exploring how you can do it, different ways we can bring them all together. And then the next part is well, how does this look when it goes to market and what do we want it to look like? Oh, well, um, I think you're you're going live any moment now. I think it started June, isn't it, in terms of actually... So, being... yeah, we're, yeah, we're actually right now as we speak in the process of generating the... Survey 3, which is the next iteration of the currency for Australia. It's uh, due to be released and will be released on June 6. So, and that will be the first time all of our users, member stations, uh, sub subscribers will have access to this split within the audiences. Excellent. Well, hopefully um, by the time we get to our ASI conference in November, which is in Nice this year, you'll be able to report back to us with the focus on the market reaction in terms of just to see how the data is being used, what impact it's had, and hopefully a few case studies of the additional insights you've been able to give to advertisers and programmers. But in the meantime, thanks, Absolutely. For, That's... thanks for joining us. And uh, um, we will uh, hopefully pick up with you in November. So uh, thanks, Deb, and thanks, John. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Cool. Looking forward to it.